Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Are you ready this morning for God's Word? I'm going to just do this as a reminder. Just one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Why did I do one, two? Well, you're going to hear him share on one is ready and one is not. We're going to go. So if you're number two, you guys get ready, okay? Ted is uh, very well known over here. He's been a very dear friend of mine for many years. We met up in northern Ontario preaching the gospel some 30-some years ago. The two of us up in, I believe it was Sudbury area. Was it Sudbury? I think we first met. And uh, I just connected with him. He connected, and here we are, our wives. We go together every year to be with Bishop Tony Miller. We're leaving right after service to go to Gatlingburg. And so we're going to be in the mountains for a few days having impartation and, and just hanging out with others of like precious faith. It's a precious time. And Gloria was born uh, the same day that I was. We were born on uh, September 11th is her birthday. Also, so we celebrate that at the same time, and and we just have a great time with Kathy, Gloria, Ted, and myself. But I want you to give a warm Windsor welcome to my friend Ted as he comes and shares God's word with you today. Ted, it's all yours, my friend. You go. Joy, thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. It's always a joy to be at WCF and with our friends, Pastor Kathy and Pastor Rick. We just like to have times with them. We can laugh together, tell our sad stories together, but we always end up with a victory. Amen. Those of you that he said today, one, two, one, two, if you'd like to shift right now, I'll give you a chance to shift to become one and come two, okay? <laughs> Probably some of you when I finish, you wish you'd have shifted. But um, we're so thankful to be here. We really are. And uh, we had a great time. Thank you for the men that came out yesterday. I feel that we moved a few strides ahead in what God wants to do in this house as men are being raised up to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Amen. I talked yesterday about there's a difference between in God, living for God and being alive in God. Many times we stop with just living, which is enough to get to heaven. But when you come alive, you have enough to raz hell. And we have been called to raz hell to make a difference on the earth, right? Come on now. That right? And to believe that God wants to. They say when a church has two services, the statistics say that in the first service, the ones that primarily come are the wealthy and the old. And the second service, most of come that enjoy sleeping in. I didn't make that up. That, that's what we're saying, how they share the service, okay? So you guys had some extra sleep, so you should be pretty alive today, right? You got, a bon- you got a benefit and a bonus from the other crowd that was here, so you should have let it out and believe that God will speak to every one of our hearts. I want to talk about something that I believe is very relevant, that God has put in my heart. It's been a shift probably in my ministry for this season, because I believe we need to know the seasons. We need to know the seasons. This is not my topic, but I could probably preach this on this, that there's things of significance in our lives. Number one, clocks, calendars, and Christians. Clocks, calendars, and Christians. It's amazing how we can start out in life and we have no idea about time, 
But eventually we start to recognize that there are two hands and there's a second hand that moves around. And eventually we get to figure it out that if I said 1045, that's the same as saying quarter to 11. We get that all figured out, figured out, and we can know how to do that. Calendars, we know that without looking at a calendar, I don't know about you, but where I come from, Halifax right now, we still have beautiful days, but the nights suddenly get cold, which reveals to us that fall is on its way and eventually winter. We can figure that out once we live long enough. And yet when we as Christians look at the Word of God, we find out that God is trying to say something to us as well. Because Jesus talked about it. He said, how come to the Pharisees, the crowd, he said, you can discern the times, what is taking place. In other words, he said, you can tell if the sky is red at night that it's going to be a good day the next day. Or if the sky is red in the morning, it's going to be a day that it's not going to be so good. He said, you've got that all figured out. But he said, as you've been able to figure that all out, that the winds are going to blow in warmth and whatever, he talks about it all through the, he said, but you cannot figure out the times that you're living in. Times that you're living in. And Jesus was concerned about it because if you do not discern the times that you're living in, you will not be alert to the times that you're living in. You need to recognize today you will not know what's going on in the world by listening to CNN. And to bring it closer, you will not know what's going on in the world, say you're informed of the news, by listening to CBC. They're telling you what they want you to hear. There's another world that's going on while you're living in your world, and if we become kind of numb to it, we're going to miss out the time and the season that we're in. And we need to be alert, because we're living in a time like we've never lived before. Never. I was ministering in Turkey last year. I probably won't get back in that country from what's happened. Just before that, I was in Crimea, part of Ukraine, that I was invited to come back because we had phenomenal meetings there. And they said, you got to come back. I said, I'm going to bring my wife and I'll come back. Russia moved in and took it all away from Ukraine. Probably never get back there. The last time I was in India, I recognized there are things being passed. It's becoming more difficult to get in the country. And I realized that as I've been traveling now, because God put a call in my heart to stir up pastors, because pastors are going through struggles where they're either discouraged or they're weary, and that's what's happening in our churches too. That many times we get discouraged or we get weary, and we might not walk away from God, but we don't keep on advancing ahead to what God wants to do with our lives. And so we need to discern the times. We're living in different times. Many of our privileges and our rights and the things that we held dear, even our own nation of Canada, are being eroded away from us. And we need to recognize that God's trying to bring in a spirit of alertness to our hearts that we can live out these times. we got to live them out. I've always said this to my congregation. You can't build your house in the midst of a storm. You better have your house built before the storm comes. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I'm watching a carelessness many times that's crept into the church. That it's okay, everything's going to be taken care of. Yes, it is. God's going to take care of it. But he's trying to bring a spirit of alertness to every one of us. A while back, I was ministering in Poland. I was speaking at a conference there. My wife and I decided that after we take a couple of days and go to Auschwitz, where we know what happened back in the Second World War, where six million Jews' lives were taken, their lives were snuffed out. We spent the whole day there as we looked through it and everything. It was a phenomenal experience for me, especially my wife, her, her parents, her, her family came from Ukraine where they were driven out under the Russian Empire at that particular time.
My wife's name is Rosen. We think she's got some Jewish blood in her. I know that. I've been married to her for 46 years. She has. I'm trying to, look, live, I'm trying to live with it, but ever we're doing okay. We're still together, right? You know, they're always right, and none of us are right. But anyway, we're okay. But here's the thing. We came to the end of the day, and our guide was one of the best I've ever had. After all the stuff he shared with me, he said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, the Jews were warned to get out, run. Run. There's a spirit that's rising in Germany that's going to annihilate and take you out. Run. But then the guide said this, they would not go because they did not want to lose their materialistic things. Secondly, they would not go because they felt the media was over-exaggerating the threat. And so they stayed. And we know as history now has unfolded, six million had lost their lives. As I was standing there listening to those words, I was not trying to be spiritual. I was not even trying to hear the voice of God. But God began to speak to me and he said, Ted, that's exactly what's going on in my church today. That God's trying to bring for those pastors that are true pastors a warning to warn us, to, believe, to help us to get ready for what we know is the return of the Lord. But the same thing is coming forth where it's blasting our faces, it's quietly said that we're really not going to listen because we don't want to let go of our materialistic stuff. And number two, we feel that the prophets and the true pastors are over-exaggerating their concern. They're just doing what they're called to do, but it's not that big a deal. I'm telling you, friend, it is. And I feel that God put something in my heart to awaken my spirit that's changed some things that I began to preach because I believe it's important that the day that we're living that we could discern the times and what's going on. When David asked for his, his people to be numbered, they numbered the strength that they had military-wise. And it says in the midst of that in chapter 12 of 1 Chronicles, that in the midst of that, there's a little tribe called Issachar that did not have much to give as far as military might. But they wanted them in there because this is what they could give. They could discern the times and they knew what to do. God is trying to do something in our hearts that we can discern the time but also know what to do. Because I believe it's vital and important to the time that we're living. So that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. I'm not talking about, I could probably use the theme, I'm talking about clocks, calendars, and Christians. But I want to talk about it in a different perspective and hope that you'll get the word in your spirit today. Father, I just pray this morning that as we come to your house to hear your word, that God, that your word would penetrate our hearts. I have not come, Lord, that we would fill more pages of notes. I have not come, Lord, just to fill a slot of time. But I've come, Father, that as my mouth is used, that I might speak a word into our hearts, but it would get into our very being to transform and change us. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would walk down through these aisles and through these seats, for I've not come to perform. I've not come to strut myself, and even, Lord, I don't care if I preach a perfect sermon. I've come to share my heart, and I pray that you give us an alertness to hear. For you said, he that hath an ear, let him hear. So open our hearts today, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take your Bible? I want to read just a couple of scriptures. There's so much more I'd like to read because time I can. I want you to take your Bible and turn to Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. I want to read this scripture here. 
Then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 24. Here's what John was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write as it was talking about the end times and revelation of Jesus Christ, what was going to take place on the earth. He says this, behold, the word behold means take a look. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches, or another word is ready, and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Let me stop and tell you what that is talking about. Back in the Old Testament, there were those that guarded the tabernacle and eventually the temple of the Lord. They were given a responsibility to watch over it. But they would fall asleep on the job. And the punishment was their robe was taken off and they had to walk back to their homes like in their underwear. That became a great embarrassment to them as they made their way home. Because they were not alert and they did not watch. That's what that was taken from. And John, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, gave it here to give us an understanding of the coming of the Lord. Then in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 to 44, I'm not reading it all. I'm just going to paraphrase it here a little bit. But here's what it says. Jesus talking now. And he said, watch therefore. You've probably heard it before. When you see the word therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. He's telling us to watch. As to watch. He says, watch therefore, therefore you also be ready. Let me qualify here. Watch and ready are two different things. Two different things. You can watch, but not be ready. In my part of the country where I live, or on the east coast, on the ocean, a woman can watch on the, on the dock for her husband to come back from a fishing trip. But it's more valuable if she is ready for him to come back. She has a hot meal ready, everything's arranged in the house, she gets ready. It's important to watch, but Jesus said, not only watch, make sure you're ready and you're watching. I travel a lot and go away, and a lot of times my wife is not with her when I come home. She meets me, she's ready. She doesn't pick me up at the airport in a great big pair of sweatpants, hair not done. She is ready that when I come home, that I know I'm coming home to my bride. She has the sheets and the bed changed. She didn't watch for me, but she was ready for me to come home. That's what Jesus was trying to bring out here to the disciples at his particular time, what he's trying to share with us, that we not only need to watch, but we need to be ready. And then we find, I don't have time, as I said, to read it all, but in chapter 24 also of Hebrews, or pardon me, of, of, of Matthew, he speaks to us of the significance of what will take place or what we need to keep our eyes on before he comes. It's called signs. Signs is not, the is not the location of where we're supposed to go. Signs are to lead you someplace. And so we find in Matthew 24, he reveals to the disciples of his day, it's written in the word of God that we might have them to let us know as well. It's very significant. And then we finally concludes at the end of chapter 25, where he talks about very clearly that something significant is going to happen. And we find that he's talking about that there's going to be a separation of the goats and the sheep as the Lord has returned now, and this is going to take place. So Matthew 24, he talks about what you need to be watching for before his return. Then in Matthew 25, at the end, he talks about what is going to take place when he returns. 
But in between the two, we have something sandwiched there, what we could call a parable, where Jesus speaks as he gives a word, we could say of warning, but a word of encouragement that we would make sure that we're ready for the moment. And he uses what we know as the parable or the story of the five wise and foolish virgins. He makes it very clear because he wants to reveal something to us to help us in the hour and the day that we're living. I brought with me a knife. There's a time I wouldn't have thought about bringing a knife into the congregation because you say that's cool, but we're living in a different day. That the moment I bring this in, people, I hope he's not mental. I hope there's nothing wrong. He's going to go down and butcher us. And I never had those thoughts all my life, but I tell you, the last few years, even people freak out. I have a, I have a message that I preach with a play gun bought at dollar store. I had guys freak out when I brought it in that I'm going to shoot everybody. That's because we live in a changed world, right? Just yesterday in a shopping mall in our country in Calgary, a man went through with a machete. Did you hear me? Things that we never heard like that happened before. It's a different world. And in that different world, God's trying to get our attention to wake us up. Because it's not enough for us just to sit in a church on Sunday morning. We need to be alert to the times that we can make some adjustments in our lives. Because if we don't make the adjustments, we might find out we might be the one, two, the one, two. So I'm here today to encourage and challenge your heart that it's a moment where God's trying to sober us. And what God said in his word that I think is significant is Paul came to the point where he said to Timothy, who was being beaten and battered, he was going through struggles as he was trying to minister to the church at Ephesus. Rome had started to lift its ugly head and there was devastation and, and persecution on every hand. We find in the book of Hebrews it talks about that they said we're maybe going to drift back from Jesus. It wasn't that they wanted us to go back in the world. It's that they wanted to go back into religion. Because he said we can be religious and not go through this. And that's why he wrote, but there's a better covenant. There's a better way. There's a better Savior. He said you might go back, but you will not have what you have here. Why was he going that? Because there was, times were changing. The times were changing. And so when we look at the story, we find that Jesus is concerned about it because he recognized that a knife, I'm going to use a knife, a knife is in every house. It's something that we're all familiar with. But as I use this knife, if it's bought brand new, as I use it in everyday living, it eventually will become dull. But it's still a knife. Still a knife. But it loses its cutting edge. It's cutting edge. That's why in every home there's not only a knife, but every home likely has or should have, we have a sharpener. Are you with me? You have a sharpener. Because this is sharper than this. That when this gets dull and I get it in here, I can resharpen it that it's effective. 
So this is my life out of the things of life that go on, just ordinary mundane things. Jesus knew that there would be erosion that come into our lives and there would be a dullness that would come that would affect how we see things and what we should do with our lives. We've all been there. I've, many times I've walked out of church and I have said myself, there's got to be more than singing three fast songs, two slow songs, having an offering, having announcements, having a sermon, go home and nothing changes. There's got to be more than that. Right? Because what happens, we get dull. And God made provision how we can constantly be sharpened. That's why we need one another. That's why Hebrews talks about, as you see the day of the Lord approaching, how much more should you gather and fellowship together? The day is closer today than it was just a year ago, and yet we have Christians say they love God gathering together less. The majority of Christians in Canada gather together pretty well, the big majority, just on Sunday morning. We feel we don't need the prayer service anymore. We don't need to be with the men's ministry or the women's ministry because I got it all together. And Jesus is saying, beware. Because as the pressure intensifies, if you do not change something in your life, you're going to become dull and you will not discern the time and you will not be ready for his return. He wasn't talking now about the church and the world. He was talking about what's going on inside the church. So this is my life. This is the word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that the word of God is powerful and sharper than. So that means that the word has a sharpness to it that can sharpen my life. If I just come and sit and kind of nuggle my backside into the seat and say, well, I'll just put this time in, nothing is going to change. But if you listen to the word and let your light be applied to the word, it's going to sharpen your life that no matter what comes in our world, we're going to survive. You hear what I'm saying? And my concern is I got all, I'm watching all kinds of people singing the songs have learned the cliches, how to say amen and clap their hands in the right place. But are you really ready for the return of the Lord? Are you really ready? So that is why Pastor Rick said today as I spoke this morning, that in every church, and even in this one today, as every church, there are those that sit in the midst that are professing Christians. But then there's another crowd that sits in the church, are the true church. Now, here's where it gets close to you. Which one are you? Which one are you? You say, well, Pastor Ted, I'm offended you're getting too close to me. Well, you might be pretty glad I'm going to get close because if I save you from a disaster, you'll thank me. But we get offended. We get upset when the word of God comes close to us. I made this statement in the first service. Well, I didn't use myself. I'll use it now. Just a few months ago, I was having a real problem with kidney stones. I went to the doctor, he said, I gotta send you a specialist. I went to the specialist, I sat down there, I said, one a specialist, and, and the first thing came out, the lady came out, she gave me a piece, two pieces of paper, 80 questions on it, she said, you gotta answer these questions. Well, I wasn't kinda of sanctified at that moment, I was a little bit annoyed. <laughs> I did not come here to answer 80 questions, I came here to find out how we can deal with these kidney stones. But I got over that, I said, well, if I gotta go to this, I'll do it, so I filled it out happily. And, and dealt with it. But see, the thing was, he wasn't trying to just prod into my life because he wanted to be nosy. He was prodding into my life because he wanted to know if there's something in my life that needs to be adjusted that he can make me better. And you know what? 
Many of you go for a medical every year. You never get offended at what's being asked. But why is it we get offended when God asks us, where are we spiritually? Why do we get offended when Pastor Rick, who's a man that loves God, is going to stand before you and shoot it straight? See, he goes through the same thing I do. I, I get people say, I'm a legalist, and, and, and I'm old-fashioned, whatever, and I just don't preach nice messages, whatever. I'm trying to help you to make it. And when the doctor comes back and says, you got five stones in your kidneys, I don't look at him and say, you're the most negative doctor I've ever heard in my life. I got two good legs, I got good arms and good ears and good eyes, and you're making a big fuss over one kidney has five stones. He looks at me and says, well, you can blab all you want, Mr. Uke, but I want to tell you, if you don't deal with what's in your kidney stones, you might have a bigger problem in your hand. I said, okay, deal with it. But in the house of God, when we come and we got to get ready, there's an offense that rises, and where do you think that comes from? Because listen to me, the devil comes to church. He's not waiting in your car until you get out to hound you. He's in church. He's sitting on your shoulder that when you hear truth, he's saying, you don't have to listen to that preacher. He doesn't know everything. Who do you think's telling you to say, who's saying that? It's not God. It's the devil. And it goes on every time we gather in church. There's a spirit of the devil that comes in. So you don't have to listen to that. That's not for you. And we push it off. And so we'll let anybody say what they want when it comes to doctors or whatever. Yet when it comes to the things of God, we get offended when God wants to get into our lives and ask us some questions that we will not be taken out before our time. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about here. Now, I could go for probably hours in this, but I don't have time. But listen, listen. he gives now in chapter 20, uh, 24, he shares with us the significance of what's going to take place. Because the disciples asked him, Lord... What are the signs of your return? What are they? And Jesus mentions everyone once. I wish I could talk to them, but you can read them for yourself. But in the midst of mentioning everyone separately or, or once, he mentions one three times. He starts with it. He puts it in the middle of what he said, and he ends with it. And that sign, he said, is the, I believe is the biggest one, because he only mentioned it three times, was this. Be not deceived. The greatest thing that's going to take us out is deception. Deception in the church. Listen to me. Not everybody that puts their name Jesus in something makes it kosher. If you know what that word means, it's right. Not everybody that can lay hands on you and prophesy for five minutes without taking a breath does not mean they're godly. You hear what I'm saying? Not anybody that can slap you on the head and knock you down and say that's the anointing of God. You see, I travel a lot. You know, I, I, I have people come up to me. I've been in prophetic churches, and they come up to me all the time. You got a word for me? Well, I always wanted to be nice when I first started. I was nice, but after a while, you learn a little bit. And so I would say, well, maybe I don't have one now, but maybe before I'm finished, I'll give you a word. Da, da, da. But you know what I say now? Get your own word. Get your own word. What are you going to do when I'm not there? What are you going to do when hell breaks out at work tomorrow? Well, I got to go get a word from Pastor Ted. No, you better know how to get your own word. Right? 
So we need to recognize I'm not down on the gifts to listen to me. But the tragedy is we're putting more emphasis in the gifts of the Spirit than in the fruit. If a person can knock you down 45 times in 38 seconds, doesn't impress me. What impresses me is he walking in a right relationship with God. That's why Jesus said, know them by their fruit, not by what they can do. Are you hearing me? See, we are enamored with charisma. Oh, they're awesome. When we should be thrilled with their character. How do they live their life? How do they live their life? Why am I saying it all that? Because Paul, or pardon me, Jesus recognized that because of the things of life, there would come numbness and a dullness that would like to erode away the very fiber of life, though we don't walk away. Now listen to me carefully. There, there are two backslidings. There's a backsliding where we just get our hands up and say, I'm fed up with it. I leave the church, I leave God, and I go back in the world. That's a great concern to me. But there's another one that's a greater concern is the backsliding that takes place right in the church where we sit in church every Sunday morning, but we're backslidden. Because backsliding means exactly what it says. You're not moving forward anymore, though you're sitting in church every Sunday. And when we start sitting there and not moving forward, eventually other things start to come into our lives that start to erode away the very presence of God within our life. So now I come to church and I feel nothing. It's Pastor Rick's fault he didn't preach a good sermon. The worship team didn't sing my song. The lights didn't have the right color today because I'm blue and they were showing red. You see, now listen to me. I'm trying to help somebody. See, the issue is our culture has been invaded with this thought that we are all victims. But the real issue is we're all villains. See, I'd like to blame everybody because I'm screwed up. My wife messed me up, my boss messed me up, my parents messed me up, my job, whatever. It's always somebody else's fault. But when I recognize I'm a villain, I take responsibility, something can happen and change within my life. Had a young man in our church that just kind of drifted away from everything, got into drugs and alcohol, and his life was shafted. He was blaming everybody. He came, he said, Pastor Ted, he, you know, he said, I blame my parents. I blamed you as a pastor. You weren't preaching right. But he said, when I came to the conclusion that it's my situation and I took responsibility for it, something changed and turned around. And so what God is trying to say here in his word that we're living in a different time and we have to ask the question, here's the question. They came out of the whole thing I talked about what happened to me at Auschwitz, where the, as I was standing there, and he said this is what took place, and I mentioned to you already that I felt in my heart God said that's exactly what's in the church. We don't want to let go of our stuff because now we're more interested in what God can give us than who he is. We're wrapped up in the blessing instead of the blesser. But at the same time, we think it's over-exaggerated and God's trying to get our attention because he wants us to finish the race well. And so Jesus begins to speak here as he reveals to us a story because they know they would understand the story and he was trying to bring forth a spiritual principle. I said this in the first service today that many of us have grown up in the church. We know the stories of the Bible, but do we know the life that's in the story? 
Because knowing the stories, when you stand before the judgment day, you're not going to be able to say, well, I know 459 stories in the Bible. But the Lord's going to say, but what life got into you from the story? It's not just to have a story of the five wise and five foolish. It's the life of a, what's he trying to say to you this morning? And so out of this whole thing that happened to me at Auschwitz, first sermon I preached was, is anybody listening? Because Jesus knew it would come to the point that we'd go to church, but we don't listen, walk out, and nothing changes. Pastor can give a plea that we're in a struggle and a trial. Let's all gather together for prayer on Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whenever you have it. And most don't come because we're not listening to the hour that which we're living. But then let hell break out in our lives, then we want the whole church there to help us break through our problem when God's trying to get our attention because God's looking for vessels that he can use to make a difference. Are you ready? See, that's what I want to speak this morning about just for a few minutes, are you ready? The Lord is going to return. You see, the reason I'm talking about it, because many times today, the influence of the world has brought this upon us too. What I'm going to talk about. You see, nobody today wants to hear anything that has to do with accountability and has crept into the church. Everybody wants me to preach a love. Well, I come to church. I went through hell all week long, and I come to church. I want to be uplifted, and I, I want to have a raw, raw sermon, and I want to feel good about it. Sometimes you need to feel down and grumpy about yourself to deal with something. I've had two things that kind of bother me, but I wouldn't do nothing about it until it got so bad it made me change directions, and I had to go to a dentist and get it fixed. You hear what I'm saying? And see, and so God's trying to get our attention because he wants to work out something in our lives. That we might be ready because we're living in the days. And you say, well, we've heard the signs of the times. Here's what the Bible says, is it's the beginning of things. And we're seeing there's an acceleration of things that are taking place in the earth. We're all vulnerable. When I travel, I'm vulnerable. Outside of the power of God and his protection upon us. What we thought was over in other countries, we're starting to see coming to our own country. And we need to recognize, we need to be ready, because we do not know what is going to take place. But we know that we can be ready for the hour and the moment. And so Jesus was trying to make it very clear. So in the midst of it, he said, here's the signs, and here's what's going to end up with. But I want to give you a warning, are you ready? So it's taken my theme this morning. As my theme, I'm going to stop there for a moment and shift. I'm going to ask you, use it with you as a question. Are you ready for the return of the Lord? Are you ready? You see, because when I ask that, what I do many times is I get religious answers. I ask a spiritual question, but I get religious answers. I didn't ask you how many, how, how many Sundays you come to church. I didn't ask you if you pay your tithes. I didn't ask you if you're involved in this or whatever. That's all good. But when I ask, where are you spiritually? 99% of the time, people give me a religious answer. They tell me what they're doing for God, but they never tell me where they are in their relationship with God. You hearing me? You see, and so I come, I can come with the amen. I can come with a 45-pound Bible and hold it on a man, and I can look real spiritual. I never open it, but I carry it. I know how to say amen, Lord bless you, brother. But am I ready? Because Jesus said some things that are very significant here that we need to get a hold of. You maybe should write these down that you can take some time and look at them because I believe they're vital and important for each and every one of us. Here's what he says that, I, that, that we need to get a grip of. Number one, we need to recognize that the five wise and the five foolish were all dressed properly. 
they all looked good. Not only were they all dressed properly, they were invited by the bride to be there, and they were where they were invited to be. We're all in church this morning. We all look good. We all look like we're part of WCF, but the only one that really knows is God and you if you're really ready. If you're ready. You came out of dress and carried your Bible into church, and you got a bullet, and you said praise the Lord about 50 times, and amen to some brother, but are you ready? Are you ready? So number one, they were addressed properly. Number two, they were all in the right house. For you, this is the right house. So you're in the right place. You can't look at me and say, well, Pastor Ted, I'm, I'm down the street somewhere. No, you're in the right place. You're in the right place today, and you're with the right people. That's where you are. Number three, we, they all heard the midnight cry. That when the bridegroom come, they all heard it. They weren't deaf. Everyone heard it. Boy, I wish I could talk about that for a while. Number four, they all had their lamps trimmed, which meant that they had removed the chart portion and they had raised the wick ready for something else. Every one of them, the wise and the foolish. Number five, they were expecting to join the bridegroom at the wedding feast. Every one of them, all 10 expected that they were going to be there. There wasn't any doubt in their mind. We're all going to be there. Because they were waiting for the bridegroom. Now watch this, what's happened in our culture. I've married, I don't know how many people in my 38 years of pastoring. I don't even know how many couples I've married. I have never once in all the marriages I've done ever waited for the bridegroom. Never. But I tell you, I've stood there so many times. I stood for 45 minutes where they wanted me to get out there early. I stood for 45 minutes here, twiddling my thumbs, waiting for the bride to come. I said, that'll never happen again. I will not come out until she's here. It's almost become common now that if you're going to have a proper wedding, the bride is going to come late. What shifted it? Here's what we were saying. If I can spiritualize it, Jesus, I know you're coming, but you can't come till I tell you you can come. They were waiting for the bridegroom. Now we're waiting for the bride. The bride's to get ready because the bridegroom's got it all in place. And we sit and we wonder if we're ready and we're kind of saying, well, Lord, you can come when you want. And we, some of us grew up in the church. Grandpa said, Jesus coming soon. He never came. Dad said, he's coming soon. He never came. So most, ah, he's never going to come. Let me tell you, the Bible says all that he said is going to take place. And though he tarries, he will come. And we're living in a day that's closer than the other day. I'm not saying it's tomorrow, next year, whatever. But I tell you, we're a lot of closer than we were yesterday. And all he's saying is, are you ready? Are you ready? See, the reason, the reason, as I said earlier, these things are not preached in church anymore. In fact, there's a lot of things that are not preached. We hear very little generally in the body of Christ about heaven and hell anymore. Why do we need a Savior if there's not something he's trying to save us from? Right? Most of the world's saying, I, I'm not lost because they don't know their sin. We don't want to talk about sin no more. It's shortcomings, it's failures, whatever, it's not sin. I'm telling you, Jesus did not come for anything else but to deal with sin. I say this every time I do a funeral because every funeral I do, I preach it straight on. I've had more people mad at me at funerals, but I feel I only got one shot at a crowd that only comes to funerals and they're going to get it with both barrels. Because I care enough about him, I'm going to tell them the truth. You see, listen to me. If man's greatest need was pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. 
If man's greatest need was money, he'd have sent us an entrepreneur. If man's greatest need was information, he would have sent us an educator. But man's greatest need was sin, and God sent us a Savior. We need to recognize the real reason why he came. You and I are hopeless without a Savior. He transformed our lives, not that we might just like tiptoe through the tulips, but that someday we can go to be with him. But he knew that life had a way of drawing things out of us and that we need to be sharpened again, and he wants us to be ready. Theologians tell us the two significant things of the New Testament that kept the church in shape. Number one was the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and number two, the return of the Lord. That they lived with an expectancy. He could come today. He could come tomorrow. The issue is not when he was coming. The issue is am I ready no matter when he comes. And when God trying to revive in his church today where we kind of come sloppy in our grace. Grace is not the power to, to cover sin. Grace is the power to deal with sin. That our lives might be liberated and set free by the anointing of God. That we can fulfill his purpose. So they're all in the right place. Dressed right. Waiting for the bridegroom to come to change or to take them with him. Every Sunday, as I said earlier, I got to repeat it. That gathers two churches in a church, the professing church, the true church. But the question that comes to you and to me today, which church am I in? Though we sit in the same church many times. What church am I in? What about us this morning? We can all say we're at the right place with the right crowd and we believe the Lord's return. But am I ready? But there was just one thing, not many, just one thing that separated them. And that's valuable and important. It was that they were not personally ready. That's why I asked the question, are you ready? Are you ready? The only thing that made the difference between them is others got ready and had extra oil where they did not bring extra oil. Now watch this. You're writing down this. Right? These, these are important. They did not forget. They neglected. There's a difference between neglecting something and forgetting. They didn't forget to get oil. They just neglected. Ah, who needs it? They neglected. it to be ready with extra oil. Number two, they neglect to prepare for the fact that the wise could not share their oil. Listen to me, friend, if you have a need, I can help you with a $20 bill. If you need a car ride, I can help you with a car ride. But my relationship with God, I can't give you any of my oil. See, so they kind of thought, well, they got to, you know, they're Christians, they got to give their oil. You can't give your relationship. You've got to have your own. I can give a whole lot of things to show the Christ-like spirit of my life, but I can't give. They just took it for granted. I can get the oil from somebody else. You can't take somebody else's experience. And they can't share. They can share their story, but they can't take the oil because that's given to you. So they neglect it, that they thought they could just have the, have, have the oil. They neglected the fact that they thought it didn't matter if they didn't have it, they would always have time to get it. But friend, when the Lord returns, there's no time to try and find the oil or the extra for your life. Number four, they neglected to prepare for the fact that once the groom came and ushered all those with him, that the door would be shut. Did you hear that? And here's the most sobering word. Man, I wish I could build on this this morning. They finally got the oil and they ran to the door and they knocked at the door. 
This is going to freak some of us out. Jesus came to the door and he said, I don't even know who you are. In the right place, with the right crowd, dressed properly, but they did not live in a state of readiness. And Jesus didn't say to them, he said, I, I, I don't even know who you are. I didn't know who you are. See, you're not saved because you go to WCF. You're not saved because you've been here 459 Sundays in a row. You're saved and transformed by what Jesus did on the cross, but you're held because you stay in a state of readiness. That's the, what's, that's the concern, but we need to recognize we've got to keep doing something. When you bought a brand new car, it came with a full tank of gas, but how many found out pretty soon you had to put more gas in it? Right? It didn't stay full. We get empty and we need to be filled all constantly with the power of the Holy Spirit that we're constantly in a place of readiness. That God can work mighty in our lives. So it's important that we understand that. And so God's asking the church today in the state that we're living, are you ready? Are you ready? See, because a true pastor and Pastor Rick, I know, preached, I'm just trying to affirm what he's saying to this congregation. That he's not out there on a limb by himself. Many of us are trying to say the church in Canada's got to wake up. Are you ready? Are you ready? What proves that we're ready? How can we prepare? Number one, you've got to watch your character. We put, as I said earlier, so much emphasis on, on our charisma, but we have to watch our character. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse, chapter 7, verse 1, Therefore, having all these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Pastor Rick and I talk about this many times. The two things that are neglecting the church today is we've lost conviction and we've lost the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Many times what's kept me is not that God's going to billy club me over the head, but I respect him and love him and adore him. I don't want to grieve him and hurt him. That I live in the fear of the Lord. That I want to finish this race well. That, he's start, that I start my life with. So number one, we need to watch our character. Number two, we need to watch our commitment. Now, don't get mad when I say this, because I've pastored long enough. I've had people with me that no matter what was going on, they were faithful to everything. I watched people come home from their cottages at 3 o'clock in the morning, on, on Sunday morning, to be in church, because they wouldn't miss. I watched people that go through four, three feet of a snowstorm to get to God's house. Now we just have the news or the weather tell us the night before that one snowdrop or flake has fallen out of the sky, and that's enough to stay home from God's house. What's happened to us? What's happened to us? Have we lost our readiness? What about our commitment? I watch people who never miss prayer. Now they don't even have a thought of going. They weren't just Sunday morning attenders. The church was their whole life and everything was alive in, the, in their hearts. I got people today think church, they say they love God. Pastor Rick talked in this and I get in trouble when I say this, but they'll pull their kids out of church Sunday morning to go to the soccer game. And then wonder why when they come teenagers that they want anything to do with the church and they're mad at the worship or the, the youth pastor say it's all his fault. No, it's not. We need to live in a state of readiness. We need to recognize you can get into something else. I got grandkids that are all in that stuff. But I tell you, my friends, you got to make sure that you keep your priorities straight. You got to recognize there's something more important because when it comes to the end, I don't care how much of a hot shot your son or daughter is at soccer. They better know that someday this all comes to an end. We better be ready to be with the Lord. That's what matters. I'm waiting for the day. I'm waiting for the day when there's 15 minutes left in the soccer game. You pull your kids off and say, get in the car. We're not going to be late for church. I'm waiting when the hockey game is right in the third period. It's gone into overtime and your son is the hot shot. You pull them off and say, we're going to church because that's more important. 
Now, oh, Pastor Ted, I don't believe you're saying that. I'm saying it. Because we're living in a different world. So number one, we got to watch our character. Number two, we got to watch our, our commitments. And number three, we got to watch our companions. Who do you hang out with? You need to hang out with people that are going to elevate you and push you higher in God. If you're hanging around a crowd that's just like you, you're just going to stay there in neutral. You've got to hang out with someone that's going to make a difference. I became a very, very good table tennis player. Do you know how I became good? I would go to the university and play people better than me that they would want the butt off me. But I tell you, after three years, I called a guy in that could hammer me. I was about to leave college. I said, come on, we have one thing to settle, that you beat me real bad when I came into college. But you're coming down to the table now. And I took him down and I pounded the liver right out of him. Why? Because I played someone better than I got so good that he couldn't take me on. You need to stand with people that are going to stir you and move you to higher heights in God because your destiny's at stake. you got to be ready by getting with the right people. Amen? I had a young lady in our church. She grew up in our church, but she walked away and got in the world. She got her life straightened around. She came back. God did a major thing in her life. And as she came back, she stood before our congregation. She got baptized in water, just like many do today. And I'm honored those that came today. And she got baptized in water, and we do it out in front of everybody because I think it's one of the greatest testimonies you can give. And she sat stood there, and she said, I want to tell you, folks, I grew up in this church, but I came to the point that I wanted to go into the world. And she said, every Saturday, listen to this, now listen to this. Every Saturday night I was in the, in the pubs downtown. I was moving with a crowd I shouldn't have been with, and I was doing things I should not be doing. But I did it every Saturday night. But then she shocked us. She said, but every Sunday morning, no matter if I got home at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, every Sunday I was in church. Every Sunday. And she said, I was in church, but she said, it's amazing how you can come numb to whatever's going on and you're not listening to anything and walk out and keep living the life that you're living. In church, but not ready. Not ready. A few other stories I'd like to tell you, but this is it. I'm a grandparent. My kids are a little bit of grandparents. Kids are a little bit older now, but when they were about four and five, and they've got a little one now, but they're four and five, they always come to our house, and the first thing they say, they come into Grampy and Grammy's house, Grampy, let's play hide and go seek. Man, I've wiggled myself into corners in our house that I did not know even existed trying to hide. I mean, what you won't do for your grandkids. I'm amazed. I do things for my grandkids I didn't even do for my own. That's amazing, eh? And so he, my, my little grandson, he'd, he'd get in the sofa and he'd put his head down between the cushions and he'd start counting one, two, three, four, four, 17, 18, 19, 20. Ready or not? What? Here I come. He'd go around the house trying to find us all. Listen to me, friend. Jesus got his head between the cushions. He's counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Church, ready or not, here I come. Here I come. Ready or not, here I come. God's trying to speak to our hearts today because of the different world. Well, Pastor Ted is not the kind of preacher we've heard of you all the time. Yeah, I can shout and holler. Pastor Rick and I laugh about this all the time. These churches won't have us because we're hollerers. <laughs> I'd rather holler, holler at you and scare the hell out of you that you make it to heaven. Amen. 
because I know in all of our churches, mine at home as well, there's people sitting there that just become routine, but they're not ready. And I don't want you, sir, to miss it. Ma'am, I'm standing the gap for you today. And I believe today, are we having communion today? Well, I saw it at the back there. I thought we were having communion. My friend, they are? There it is right there. Friend, I didn't try to preach a great sermon today. That's not my point. But are you ready? Can I say it enough? Are you really ready? Are you ready? That we can fulfill the purpose and the plan of God. Father, today... all the arguments and defense mechanisms be set aside may we not be looking at the person beside us and asking are they ready but may we ask ourselves and I'm asking this morning Lord that where the knife has become dull, where we've lost the cutting edge, that today we're saying, Lord, I let your word sharpen it. But whatever you do, Father, don't leave us by ourselves, but by your spirit come and witness in my heart. Father, I pray this will be a moment in our seats that will make a decision that as Pastor Rick comes that God you take the word because when I stand before you Lord I want to see everyone that's in this room today it's going to be there with you and so Father let our hearts be stirred today is the question comes now from you. Sir, are you ready? Ma'am, are you ready? And so, Father, we commit it to you this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Wow. Sobering message. But a life-changing message. Every week, your pastor says... One thing at the end of every service and intertwined in every week. How many have heard me ever say, make them number one? What does that mean? I'm, I'm going to make probably the strongest statements that I have ever made in Windsor Christian Fellowship right now. Listen to what I'm going to say. Number one is means he's Lord. That's number one. Number two is he's Savior. When you make him your Savior, that's number two. But he didn't say to receive him as Savior. He said receive him as Lord. And when he's Lord, because there's thousands upon thousands of people, I believe, in this community and, and all over that had made him their Savior, but never made him number one. He's not number one. It's more of an experience than it is Lord.
And we're not here for some works religious thing. That's not what we're speaking about. When you make him number one, that means he's first place in our time, first place in our talents, first place in our finances, first place in every area of our life. Forty years ago when I got into this thing, I didn't... I wasn't about the Savior thing. I, I thank God I was saved from my sins by the grace of God. For by grace you're saved through faith that not of works as any man should boast. It's a gift to God. But it's making him Lord of my life. Making him number one. When my own family rejected me, every one of them. When my own flesh and blood brother threw me out of his house and said, get the hell and a few other choice words out of my house. Forty years later, you see differences now and things changing now in family. Are you all with me? I can tell you a lot of stories up here right now. But I'll tell you, there was five foolish. Number one, number two. The foolish ones were number two. The wise ones were number one. The whole book of Proverbs, everything in Proverbs, shares the two analogies. The foolish one and the wise one and Ted brought it out so eloquently today the foolish ones were not ready the wise ones were why because the wise ones the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord when God invaded my life 40 over 40 years ago I'm telling you man my life changed there was a woman last night a pastor's wife I was with the pastor and his wife at a Greek restaurant at midnight over in in, in Toronto having Greek food because we were out half the night with them preaching and she shared her stories when she got born again she literally went in she was so depressed she was so heavy she was so despondent when she went to work the next day the her boss called her in two hours after she was there and says what happened to you are you on drugs literally said that are you on drugs and she said why she said there's, there's a shine, there's a sparkle inside of your eye. And then she shared with her boss about what Christ did with her sin and took it away from her, her life. Can you all say amen? And I'm listening to this story at midnight. And I, in, in my mind, I was saying, I want to go to bed. Okay. But it was time. Amen. And I know I don't want to keep you any longer. But I also believe very, very strongly myself that we need to always treat the men and women of God in a right way and Ted and Gloria stay at my house when they come in we're close friends we uh, we have meals together we're going out for a few days together and but Ted also goes around the world he goes to areas that many people don't want to go to he goes to Africa regularly he goes to the uh, Sweden he goes to Copenhagen he goes to Denmark he goes uh, he just got back from 34 days on the road and he told me it was the longest days, Glory, he was away from you and how much he missed you, okay? So, and if he didn't tell you that, I'm telling you that, okay? I go, one night I miss Kathy, okay? But anyway, uh, we want to take an offering up for Ted today. And I just really uh, just want to encourage you, let's bless the man of God. And don't feel compelled that you have to, but I believe our seeds are going into good ground and it's going into our future is all in the seed. So if you would like to release a seed today and bless him, uh, WCF is going to, in this one, we're, we're taking care of all the uh, meals. We're taking care of their airfares. We're not going to take that out of this year. 100% of what's coming in this offering and the one at 9 o'clock is going to go in to Ted's ministry. I really felt to do that. And so I just encourage you, sow a seed. And your seed is, uh, how many know when you tell God you have a need, how many know it's amazing how God will always tell you about a seed? 
It's just amazing. There was one thing he didn't mention, but he did mention it in the first service about the difference between charisma and character. And uh, he, he shared it in there, but he shared an illustration. It's amazing how our society today has put such an emphasis on charisma and how we've totally devalued character today. And you can see it in our nation. You can see it in leaders, ushers you may receive. Go ahead. Everything. Make it out to WCF, whatever you're giving by credit card, debit, whichever way. And uh, whatever it is, what comes in in this right now is going, this isn't your tithe. This is an offering that's going directly to Ted, right into his ministry, what he does. But it's amazing today how we can put charisma in front of character. And when you, when you look at when you look at the society we live in today and how people don't care about the Bible, they don't care about your family, don't care about your values, I, I'm like floored. I'm watching the Olympics, and I'm seeing men, okay, who are women and women who are men running now, and they're winning, and it's like, well, the man, is, what's going on? We got it all so messed around come on now that people don't know their true identity in the church world we also don't know our true identity of who we really are and so i just want to encourage man get into the courses that are coming up don't just be a spectator and come to church on a sunday get involved man get get involved my greatest joy is seeing people that went through the vision now they're teachers now they're leaders and they're sharing their stories and they're changing lives and to every member of wcf and every person this is your church and you've never been on an encounter weekend listen to me don't put it off to next week we we in this culture are masters at putting things off to the very end and then something else comes up and it takes the place I don't run my schedule that way. I don't, I don't run that way. I'm way out, way out. And, and, and I'm into 17, well into 17 already in the planning. And so if you've never been on an encounter, sir, ma'am, I just want to implore you, encourage you, exhort you. This is your time. Sign up today and, and, and do it. If you, especially if you're new in the church, you'll hear my wife's heart. You'll hear her on the cross. You'll, you'll hear your pastor's heart. And you'll feel connected with us. You'll get to know us. How many are more connected with your pastor from an encounter? Come on now, from Kathy and I. Yeah, because we have meals with you. And you find out we're normal people and ordinary people, and we have our challenges, and we have our struggles just like everyone else. But the second thing is I want to encourage you, let's be men and women of prayer. You know, I'll tell you the, the greatest joy when I saw the next generation up there last week, and I was so encouraged to see our young people stepping up and Rayland just just leading in prayer and just going up and we're going to be bringing them in we're going to be doing this on a regular basis every quarter we're going to be having them in and we've already planned that because we feel we need that thrust we feel we need that amen and to stay connected and i'm so proud of each one of them and their passion and their love for god amen but i just want to encourage the church let's not be spectators in prayer let's just come out and the new vision is, uh, the new uh, School of the Vision is starting in two weeks. And I'm not here to, uh, to teach because it's very late right now and I understand that. But I just want to encourage you, if you've never laid a foundation in your life, get into the foundation courses. 
get into the school of vision. Get in. If, if you've been divorced and, and you're broken and you go into another relationship, it's amazing today how many people aren't even divorced and they're already engaged to somebody else before the divorce is even through. Something's wrong with that whole equation. And then the, the healings never take place inside and you're jumping into with somebody else. I'm going to tell you guys, man, it's, this isn't the way God wanted. So we have things that can help you. Divorce recovery. We have a whole set of the new semesters. But you make it a priority in your life. And together, let's stand. Look at your neighbor and say, we believe that you are a doer and not just a hearer of God's word. You're not number two. You're going to be number one because he's number one inside of you. Get ready. Our best days are ahead of us.